everybody welcome to the show i see thing i might have i think i hit the record button that might have gone like too fast but anyways <laughs> let's start from the top what's up everybody welcome to the show i see things a little differently i am the soul chemical this is your monday show this is your devil or nothing review we're actually gonna throw some notes into here as well and also talk about fan fest and not just the thing you're thinking about i just didn't see you on nota cool there rip it so this weekend was a very eventful weekend um it was meant to be but i don't know if it's meant to be in certain ways um so where do we start let's start with the mjf situation the mjf situation whether it's a work or not i have strong feelings on it from a perspective as a fan it's funny when they announced devil nothing was going to be back in vegas i in private was going to go i think i said on the show i wasn't gonna go because tickets are gonna be, i was gonna go just to the fan fest but i couldn't i was doing my research and i couldn't find out how you pay for tickets to just go to the fan fest in fairness i didn't try very hard <laughs> but um i was looking at it i was just gonna go to the fan fest and i said you know what i might as well buy a ticket it might be overpriced etc work etc work etc so anyways um i'm glad i didn't go to this fan fest so one mjf pulls a no show whether it's a work or not, we'll get to that in a second. Then Samoa Joe does not show up due to miscommunication where he had a voiceover session at the same time as the Fan Fest. Then Sting wasn't there. Sting has sold out um, a, a Fan Fest. So it's like, I would have only gone for Sting and probably, because I already got MJF's autograph, I would have only gone for Sting and, and Joe. So to me, I have strong feelings on it from a fan perspective because I feel like when you have those type of events, people are going to plop down. I've done it before. I was just telling someone else this the other day. I have done, even as I start to grow in the comic book world, I legit appreciate when people wait in line for my autograph. It's not a long line, like two people, but people still wait for your autograph. So I appreciate when people do it for me. So I know I, when I do it, I hope it's appreciated. And I got into this conversation with someone about how if someone cancels your no-shows, that's one thing. When they're late, I think that's unforgivable. That's why I will never wait. It's probably easy for me to say, because I actually got to know Ric Flair a little bit when he we used to work at the, the restaurant I used to go to all the time in Atlanta. And I was able to get his autograph, picture, talk to him, et cetera, et cetera. So it's probably easier for me to say now because I have his autograph already. But... I would never wait for in line for Ric Flair autograph. He's always late. Every event I've ever been to where Ric Flair is at, Ric Flair is always at least an hour to two hours late. And to me, it's so inconsiderate because you have other people there. And me, I go to events by myself. So now you're at this event by yourself. You have no way of doing it. Now, I've gotten very good at befriending people in line saying, hey, can you mind wait holding this spot for me? I'm going to go check this and see if these other wrestlers are here. Like That's what I did when I was waiting in Bray Wyatt's line at WrestleCon. Um, he wasn't late or anything. They didn't have a, actually, was he late? No, he wasn't. What they did was they had him doing photographs first, the pro photos first. Then he went to do autographs, but we waited in line. We were, I was probably like 15 people in and this guy had me, had a homie. He went to go hit big show and some other people I said, man, you seem to be a real fan. Do you mind if I go hit up and see if Booker T is here? If, if he is, let me know when you come back, we'll switch places. Well, Booker T wasn't there yet, but I hit up Anna J and like one other person and came back 
Um, told him Booker T wasn't there, blah, blah, blah. Then that's when Bray came. I've, I've gotten so good at opening my mouth to befriend people in that regard, right? So, you you can find ways of getting around it. But to me, it just comes down to being inconsiderate. And I think Floyd's an inconsiderate person, especially to fans. So, to me, when I look at the MJF situation, if this is a, if this is a work, which I don't think it is, because there's a lot of people... Mike Johnson, a lot of people who have who have who don't usually get things wrong, were saying this was very real. So, by him no showing a fan fest, and I can contest, there are people who plop down hard-earned money to be talked to like shit. I t- I told this story, I'll tell it again. This is told a couple weeks ago. I was legitimately the only person in the line not bad-mouthing MJF. So when I went to go get a picture with him, he's just looking at me. He's waiting for me to say something. I'm giving him nothing. But hey, man, thanks for the autograph. That's when he starts mother-bleeping me. But he had nothing, because I gave him nothing. So he was just like, really? You don't want to play along? Like, you could just tell. But people plop down hard-earned money to just get that, which is fine. You know, and like, I get it. They try to make good on, hey, let's maybe a different talent. No, people know who they want to see. Like example, I'm looking at my wall now, AEW stuff, right? I don't mind getting anything autographed. I'll get anyone an autographed. Like I told you guys during, um, during my WrestleCon review, I legit saw Lance Archer. No one was in his line. Someone was selling his action figure at, at for 20 bucks. So cool. I'll add that to the collection. But like some people are so specific and that wasted their time. So if he... if since this is, I'm, I'm gonna go off of this being a shoot. Air quotes, I'm doing air quotes, you guys, I'm doing air quotes. Yeah, that was wrong. I get you want more money, but if you're not gonna plop down a contract, because AEW has been more than willing and open to having him sign a new contract. Of course, he's not gonna sign a new contract until 2024 and have the companies bid against each other, which is smart on his part. But then why would they give you more money? You're essentially handing them to the competition because you're giving them everything they want. The fans shouldn't suffer because you have a problem with management. So, also, I, I, I think part of this was work and part of this was shoot. Obviously, he's angry about money. I think a lot of people are angry about money because CM Punk came in, Bryanson came in, uh, and uh, Bryanson? That's it, correct? No, I didn't. Brian Danielson came in. I said Bryanson. It's like I'm Asian or something. That's like, I'm very racist. So I apologize. That was a complete accident. Ugh. Um, <laughs> um, so, I feel like the fans shouldn't pay for that. Now, that that part's out the way, I get both sides. I do. A- MJF shouldn't sign a new contract yet. But Tony Khan shouldn't be giving him more money because he wants to. Look here, MJF moves the needle without a doubt. He was a part of a really important story. The match was, which we'll get to in a second, was what it needed to be. It, it needed to be that match, right? Which turned out to be a squash. However, if he were to not show, it would really mess up Warlow, which is not right. And I get that, and I respect that, and I get that. I guess my thing is there has to be a middle ground. And with MJF having 18 months left on his contract, I'm surprised he's putting his stance up now. That surprised me. That really surprised me. 
Like this is really early. I would start. I would think like maybe the beginning of 2023. Yeah. But I said something to Jonathan Esther in text. I think that Cody Rhodes' departure affected things more than we realize. I think Cody did. I remember I was reading. Um, I was on Instagram, like every cool kid, I guess. And I remember reading a post from Wardlow because he came up in my recommendations. And it was a picture of Cody doing a moonsault in their steel cage match, which I think was the first steel cage match in AEW history on Wardlow. And Wardlow in the caption said, there's too much to say, but for now, thank you. I think Cody did a lot. I think those EVPs do a lot for the talent. I think it helps that they can go, that the talent can go to them. But I think Cody in particular... um, Gave a lot of himself. And this goes to what, when you guys listen to my analysis of Cody Rhodes, it's really the analysis of me and my journey into understanding and learning his decision and respecting it. It meant to be the other way around. But when you guys hear it in a couple weeks, as I just recorded it the other day, um, but I didn't realize that we had back-to-back weekends of pay-per-views. I didn't realize this week, I knew this week was double or nothing, but I didn't realize next week was hell in a cell. Um, so it'll be like, in, what, one, it'll be in, essentially two weeks but i didn't i i didn't i don't i think that hurt a lot of people and the fact that a lot of people have have been very vocal about they still keep in contact with cody and i don't think they keep in contact with cody to say hey is wwe better some some might i think some stay in contact because i think that's genuinely their mentor and i think that's especially with mjf i think in real life those two are really best friends and I truly believe that that departure hurt more than we realize. And I think there's going to be a mass exodus very soon. I do think that. For some reason, I'm not saying WWE is going to treat these people all the same they treat Cody. Cody's a star. He is. But I do think that departure hurt more than we realize. And some people will listen to this and laugh. I I, I don't think it's laughable, though. I truly don't. I think... Whatever Cody asks for, and we're never, we're not gonna know this until many, many years down the road. We're not gonna know any of this until many, many years down the road. Whatever Cody was asking for, I think they feel like if Cody couldn't get it, we can't get it. So my final thoughts on MJF situation was: I'm glad that he came and did business, but I was pissed for the fans because I could have been one of those fans. And when you plop down your hard-earned money to, 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 especially to go to a fan fest, you know, you're going there for one reason to meet wrestlers and to get autographs and to get pictures and have that moment. And I still think you have a responsibility to them. So that's just my take on that. My, uh, my, what's the, my, my high and mighty take on that. So let's talk about the Kota Obushi situation. Now I didn't talk about this. Um, cause I didn't know what to think about it, but new Japan has come out and they apologize to Kota. He is still being reprimanded. He is still a part of the roster because he did let out secrets and he did technically violate his contract by showing up at Taka Michinoko's um, promotions event. Um, but this whole thing was weird. Kota said his mom was committed suicide over the situation. And like, this was very weird. And it seems like the person he has a problem with has been moved to a different part of the company. The whole thing's weird, right? And Kota is a megastar. So it's like one of those things where it's like, this was obviously a smart thing to do. They didn't want to give up Coda. However, it's like, what the hell was this about? There's a lot. Of, I will say this. The great resignation, what this era is that we're in, that they called it, they coined it, which is a dope-ass title, is not just reserved to poor people. 
We see a lot of people who are walking out of their jobs who are angry. I was matter of fact, I was talking to somebody. They work for a uh, airline company, and they make really good money. And the guy was telling me how much he made. And I, I could say something. I'm not gonna ever say his name or the airline, but he was like, "Man, I make about 800 grand a year." And he was like, "Honestly, that's usually." He says, "Honestly, that's the base." He says, "Usually it's about 1.5 million. I live a great life, you know, blah blah blah." And he started telling me about just some of the conditions. About some of the expectations, et cetera, et cetera. He says, Yeah, it's not worth it anymore. And this dude's making 1.5 million a year. And even if you take out his 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 extra stuff, he's still making 800 grand a year. But it's like people are now just willing to walk. Poor, rich, middle, I don't think he's a middle class anymore. But I'm just sitting there like, Man, like, where does this end? I don't know where this even starts. COVID started it, but I don't know where this ends. So, anyways, um, it's just an interesting time. I don't really want, even want to delve into it because it looks like it's been worked out. But he did go scorched earth. Coda did. And I feel like he got his point across. He obviously took the pay cut that they gave him cause it, for a little bit for whatever the situation was. But, um, man, it's just one of those situations where this was ugly. So. Every company's had are having ugly moments right now, and I wonder what's in the wire. I wonder what's going on right now. Are people just trying to set um, their tone for themselves uh, for when these rights come available? Are people what, what's going on? Like, what is in the water now that makes people walk out, talk about secrets with the company? I just, if you guys have any answers, let me know. Email me. Send me messages on Instagram. I'm genuinely curious as to what is going on right now. As I said earlier, Samoa Joe, uh, no show, the fan fest. That was a miscommunication. He had a voiceover session. That's on AEW. That's not on Joe. That's just, that's on AEW. Uh, Sasha and Naomi, speaking of walkouts, they have been suspended without pay, but I think the without pay part is the newest update. But from what I read, I believe from Brian Alvarez, was that they were supposed to have a meeting, Naomi and Sasha, with Vince McMahon, this past Friday, and they're hoping to resolve this and make this into a storyline. So that way they have something to do. Fans in Japan, and I'm pretty sure this is what Daniel Bryan wanted to hear. Daniel Bryan has been, or Bryan Danielson, excuse me, has been on record saying he won't go to Japan until fans can react. Well, they just got denied, and fans will be able to start reacting to matches. It'll be more than just clapping or smiling. It'll be cheering. It'll be all that good stuff. So we may soon see Brian Danielson in a New Japan ring. I mean, I would have to assume some of the stuff we have happening at for- Forbidden Door later this month will be, a, or later next month, excuse me, will be a direct result of what happens in New Japan moving forward the rest of this year. Uh, WWE, in a move that was kind of embarrassing, had to move money in the bank to a smaller venue. And you know what? I didn't even realize that's the same night as UFC they're competing with. Um, but now, Allegiant Stadium is not the thing. Now it's not a bigger venue. Now it's a smaller venue. And um, it's just very interesting to see. Well, first of all, they were made fun of, which they kind of deserved. But that was just that's kind of embarrassing. Um, I hope this isn't a trend for them. I hope they can still do stadium shows because I think stadium shows are fun. But. They're not going to sell out a stadium show right now. This is WrestleMania. And even then, they don't sell out WrestleMania. They say they do, air quotes again, but they don't. But I just think when you have these B-level pay-per-views, people will either come or they won't. But the problem with this one, and what makes this embarrassing is the fact that this venue they moved into 
because UFC is using T-Mobile Arena, they moved into a venue where they already are sold out, literally. So, I think they sold like 13,000 tickets, but their venue is only for 11,000. So now some people who may have non-refundable flights, I just went through a situation with this, will have to cancel or just they just don't want to go. So they kind of fucked over the fans here. That seems to be a theme of this early part of the fucking show, right? Fucking over fans. Anyways, um, hopefully they resolve this and make this right. Also with WWE, they quietly have ended the brand split. That was rumored all week last week. And it's clear because I think Cody's being um, advertised for SmackDown in two weeks or something like that. Like It's clear that it's been... And also, let's be real. Eventually, that world title is going to be split up again. And it's, 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 it's it makes the rosters a lot more fun when they don't do this because they don't follow it anyway, the brand split I'm talking about. So... Um, I think it just makes things better, and I'm excited for it, and um, I think we're gonna get, hopefully we won't get, we won't get these air quotes reasons why, hopefully we just, no one needs to talk about it, it's like one of those things where you have a one night stand with somebody, you wake up the next morning, they're still there, like, oh, I'm gonna go brush my teeth and take a shower and leave, <laughs> right, we don't need to actually talk about it, like, I, 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 they start talking about it and making things out of it, it's just gonna make things get ugly because that's what it is. My final note before I get to Devil or Nothing weekend. Uh, the rumor is, and if you don't want to hear this rumor, I would suggest you uh, fast forward maybe a two, maybe a minute or two. Uh, Finn Balor is cert- currently scheduled to be the fourth member of the Judgment Day group, and he's gonna turn on AJ Styles. Um, which I guess that means AJ Styles didn't just move on to facing Finn Balor. Um, but, um, that's cool, I guess. I don't think he needs, I don't think Finn needs to do that. Um, I don't think they need a fourth member, to be honest with you. But, um, I just read that and I thought to myself, I read that like two weeks ago. I said, I don't know if I like it. Especially since Finn doesn't need anyone to talk for him. You know, and Damian Priest hasn't done anything since joining the group. Maybe. Just maybe reimagine get the women's championship out of this. But I don't see Damian Priest getting a title run out of this. I kinda see this hurting him, honestly. Personally. I see I see this doing for him what uh the inner circle did for Ortiz and Santana. He might get on television, but is he really um take a drink of water? But is he really doing anything? You know? So, all right, enough of that. Let's get to Double Death Weekend. And we have talked about this before we get to Double Death in the actual pay-per-view. The figure reveals. Always an exciting time when you have figure figure reveals. I thought it was mainly tame stuff, in my opinion. I wasn't really excited about it. Um, but there was some decent stuff to good stuff. And so I'm going to just go down and list everything I have. Unrivaled 11 Wave. We'll have Penelope Ford, Chris Jericho... Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, Kip Sabian, Adam Cole, and Jungle Boy. First of all, the, the Jungle Boy, um, the second one they have now, the first one looks like him. The second one is him like yelling and showing passion. It looks horrible. It looks absolutely horrible. Um, the Penelope Ford one looks good. The Darby, I believe, is the LJ. No, no, no. That's, on, that's another one. 
uh, Kip Sabian, Cole, Darby. And you had to mix in a lot of the old with the new. Not really too excited about that wave. I may get Penelope 4. I may. Um, yeah. I think I may get Penelope 4, and that's it. Unmatched 5. You have Brian Danielson, Kenny Omega, the LJ and Darby that was pushed back. For those of you who are wondering about that. The Sean Spears and the Red Velvet. Now, I will definitely get Red Velvet out of this and Sean Spears, for sure. Uh, there will be a Walmart exclusive CM Punk. Uh, for those who are asking, there have been Walmart exclusive things. Um, which I think they go on. Now, I will say this, but I will say this. I don't know what they did differently um, with the Walmart things, because I believe they were sold out online. Matter of fact, why well, something crazy? Phil, uh, Dylan from Figure Four Photos, he pre-ordered the Sting, and he never got his. He ended up canceling his pre-order because they kept pushing it back. I walked into a Walmart and legit just there was a bunch of Stings there. I even asked him, said, "Do you want me to buy you one and mail it to you?" And he, he was so disheartened by the whole thing. He was like, "Nah, I'm not worried about it. F that." But so I actually did. I saw people like anything. Anytime it's Walmart or Target exclusive, you get you get. With this, I would have more faith because the stings were. I mean, I haven't seen a sting in a while, but I want to say I went to plenty of WalMarts and there was a, a bunch of stings on their their rack. So they did something different with that. I don't know what happened with the pre-order, but that's why I don't pre-order from from Walmart or Target because I'm like it just. I just don't get the vibe that they care about action figure uh, collectors. They have your money. Why would they care? Supreme 3 will feature Ray Phoenix and Penta. Um, they will have their attire from All Out 2021, as well as the World Tag Team Championships. Uh, I won't I won't get those. Um, well, it depends. I may, because I don't know if I told the story on, online on my show before. I saw online. Listen to me. sound like an old person. Um, no, but I remember I had never planned on actually ever meeting Pentor Ray. And it was funny because when I had a chance to meet them, when I saw that they were going to be at WrestleCon, I was frustrated because I had seen their wave like six figures in stores a lot. And I said, well, I have wave one, blah, blah, blah. Soon as I knew I was going to go see them, I didn't see more, no more of their figures in, in stores. The next wave. And so they signed the figures I had, which is from what the second wave or third wave, whatever. So I do need some that can open later on down the road. Um, so these might be. I don't know if I need the Supreme ones. I will say that the Supreme figures of uh, Brett Baker and Cody Rhodes are fucking fire. <laughs> if I didn't already have the TNT Championship Cody Rhodes, I probably. I'm tempted to get this Supreme figure too. I'm very tempted to get it, but we'll see. Unmatched Wave 6, you have Brody Lee in a suit, you have Owen Hart, Ruby Soho, Malachi Black, Ortiz, and Santana. I will definitely get Ruby Soho, um, and I think that's it. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Unmatched Wave 7, we'll have Hook, Pack with the uh, patch over his eye, Pinta. Phoenix, Thunder Rosa, and the LJ and CM Punk. I will actually get none of these figures. <laughs> uh, unmatched Wave Eight, and I won't. I, I won't get Hook because it's because I'm. I'm a fan. I'm just. I just don't need his action figure. Um, unmatched Wave Eight. We have the House of Black. The entire House of Black. We have Abaddon, Arn Anderson, and Alex Reynolds. I think. Hmm. 
I don't think I'm getting anything from this wave. I'm not getting a lot of these figures. Um, I think when I do my count, it's like eight figures I'm going to get out of everything they announced. And as of right, as of right now, what I said I was going to get one, two, three. Yeah, right now I'm at three. Um, Unrivaled, wave 13. You have the Butcher, the Blade, the Bunny, Hardy Boys, and Dan Housen. I will get none of these figures. Unrivaled, wave 14. You have the best friends all over again with Chris Statlander, Orange Cassidy, Trent, Chuck. Then you have Swerve and Keith Lee. I will get a Swerve because the only Swerve I have is the only one that WWE ever came out with, which is the basic Elite version of it, which is the version I was trying to get autographed, but um, they would not accept it. That's why I had the 8x10 of them. So I will get a Swerve from that. We have variants of Omega and Moxley. They look pretty cool. But then you have more variants, but it's like elite Street Fire figures, where you have Matt Jackson dressed up as Ryu, um, Kenny Omega, and I think Nick Jackson dressed up as, well, as Street Fire as well. So it's kind of like novelty figures. Um, not really my thing. Unrivaled 12. You have Private Party getting their first figures, which is dope for them. Jamie Hayter, Moxley, and FTR. The only person I'll get from this is Jamie Hayter. Then we saw our first scans of the Owen Hart figure, which are pretty dope. We have a new Rampage ring, full-scale ring with a, a Sting figure that comes with it, similar to the full-scale ring that came with uh, Audrey, uh, Aubrey, excuse me, the referee. Unrival Wave 10, which is now out for pre-order. You have Taz, Miro, Andrade, Britt Baker, Wardlow, and Jake Hager. Imagine that Jake Hager has two figures. He has two figures in two different lines. That's crazy to me. Um, that's pretty cool. We will have an Excalibur uh, ringside exclusive, which is not for pre-order yet. But the ones that are for pre-order, which are badass, are Tony Schiavone with his first ever action figure. And Jim Ross. They both showed chairs in the background. Now, here's my thing, right? First of all, I pre-ordered Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross. I, I had a Jim Ross figure back in the day. It was from the Jack Specific era. I, I, I think Katrina watched all that shit away. But to get these figures, I, I, I was... I know Conrad Thompson was campaigning for a very long time to get Tony Schiavone a figure. So I'm so happy he finally got a figure. I had to own that. Um, I had to own... Um, I had, I had to, oh, I, 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 like, when I move into that, that, my new place, like, I have to have the full setup. I just, I, it has to be badass. You know what I'm saying? I, I feel like I, I'm going to get X Caliber 2 when he comes out, but he wasn't out yet. But I definitely said, oh, he's a pre order? I'm for it. Um, but yeah, I was, I, I was highly underwhelmed with these reveals, but they revealed so many things that were going to be set till next year. Um, but as I said, I'm only going to get, like, what? I pre-ordered Tony Schwanny, Jim Ross, two, uh, Excalibur, Hater, uh, Swerve. Yeah, only, like, six or seven. So, I don't know. I was, I was under impressed. But, you know what? I think, this is a concentration me and figure four photos had. I think when you get the figures you want, you don't, you, you know what you don't want. And you know what's forced and what's not. Um, 
and 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 I know if I were to be getting stuff, it would just be forced. Like I I I know I should want a hook figure, right? But like I just I'm just good, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. So anyways, I'm happy they revealed a lot of this stuff. I said super happy for Tony Schiavone to get his first action figure. Um, definitely to pre-order those two. Otherwise, man, I, and I'm on the fence about Andrade. You know, um, he's another one where I should want their figure, but I don't know why I don't. But I should. But anyways, those were the figure reveals. We will talk more about that when we actually start seeing these things. Um, so that that's actually pretty cool. So anyways, let's get into why you guys are here. We're here for Double or Nothing, and so that is pretty cool. Um, this felt all of four hour, four and a half hours. This felt it. Maybe because I, I thought some matches didn't need to happen on this thing, but for every match I, for every, for the two matches I felt I didn't need to see, or three matches, I, the other matches just, they were fantastic. So for me, it was worth it. That was a good show. Like I said, um, overall though, um, it, it felt four and a half hours. So let's start from the bottom. MJF and Warlow start off tonight. I was really surprised to start tonight off, but maybe that was a part of the deal. Um, Warlow squash. This was this was what it needed to be. This was a squash. Anytime um, MJF tried something, it didn't work. Tried to take the diamond ring out. The referee grabbed it. Uh, Warlow did ten power bombs on him. This was a complete squash. Pinned him. He ended up getting stretched out, putting his middle finger up to the crowd. Um, this is exactly what it needed to be. Warlow walks up to the ramp. Tony Schiavone is there. Tony Schiavone says, "Hey, from Tony Khan to us, you're all elite." So he got the graphic and everything. So he is officially a part of the roster, air quotes. And so where does Warlow go from here? No clue. No clue. But I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see this journey. So, uh, but 10 power bombs. MJF took all of, all of it. <laughs> uh, during the uh, buy-in, Hookhausen won, just so I can mention that. I saw the very end of it. because I was. Tr- so I was trying to... Be smarter than I was last time. I think for Revolution, I watched it on my tablet. And I was, I just, for some reason, it didn't coordinate to me watching on the bigger screen or TV, which is, which was, you would enjoy it more instead of holding a fucking tablet. So, like, for the first, like, I think I bought the pay-per-view at, like, uh, what, I was our time at 6 o'clock out here. I think I bought it at, like, 5.50. And, um, I was just trying to get it onto my TV, find AirPlay. And it finally went on my TV, so I was happy, super happy. By the time Dan hasn't like pinned him, uh, a smart mark. Anyways, this match, the Hardys versus the Bucks. This was kind of hard to watch because I don't know what was going on with Jeff, but like Jeff, obviously he's lost ten steps, but then Jeff's boot is like about to come off, and it was super fucking weird. And I was like, what? Why is why is he wrestling with no boot? Like, why is his boot about to come off? Um. The Hardys won this match. They need to win this match. Um, but, like, this was all just freaking weird. And uh, and, I, and I don't think he's on... I'm, I'm not saying he's on drugs or drunk or anything. It's just, like, it feels like for him... I feel, for Jeff to have a great match again, one, it has to be what him and Darby had a few weeks ago. But, two, also, I think everything just needs to align for him. Um, but he just... Man, he shouldn't be wrestling every week, dog. Straight up. <laughs> I'll just say, he shouldn't be wrestling every week. This came off to be, this was. This turned out to be alright, but this was kind of hard to watch at points. And for me to be a, a, a Hardy fan, it was it was pretty tough. But I will say this, Nick Jackson took two twists of fates. He took him like a fucking champ. 
And the Hardys had to win. I, I think I picked the Bucks to win. I thought about it afterwards. The Hardys have to win because they're going to get the tag team titles. It's going to be a novelty act. And whoever beats them is going to beat the hell out of them. And I think they're going to beat them by pe- beating Jeff. But they had to keep the momentum up to get to the number one status. Jay Cargill versus Anna Jay. I actually had low expectations for this match because it just felt thrown together. And I was like, why does this feel so tossed together? But they ended up having a decent match. You know, and I really enjoyed it. Um, You could see the improvement in both of them. You could see at times where Anna Jay's like moving a little slow because she's unsure of herself. But like they had, you see the improvement on both parts. And I'm really happy for the for both of them. Um, but Anna Jay shouldn't be the one defeating Jay Cargill. Sorry, losing my voice. One in the morning here, people. Um, but that this wasn't just the only thing, right? So there was some interference with Red Velvet and the other baddie. They get laid out. All of a sudden. Sterling comes out, Smart Mark comes out, tosses the the crutch in the ring, and James up hitting Jay Cargill with it. Then all of a sudden, Stokely fucking Hathaway makes his debut. He comes out, he's talking, and Jay's telling him to get away. She's distracted. Super top rope glam slam. <coughs> Excuse me. One, two, three. Jade wins. All of a sudden, they're about to jump her. All of a sudden, Chris Statlander comes out. And she wants Red Velvet. It's clear Statlander. I think Ruby So I think it's between Ruby Soho and Statlander, but I think Statlander is gonna be the one to end up dethroning Jay Cargill. And people really love Statlander, and they should. She's super talented. Whatever. Anyways, Statlander's out there. She's she's saving, making the save. All of a sudden, you hear music. You see the fallen goddess, and fucking Athena finally got what she wanted. She's been begging for it. She's been asking for it. She came out. She's gonna, it's clear she's the next challenger for Jay Cargill. Or you're going to have a six-woman tag team match. But she came out. She sided with Chris Statlander and Anna Jay. And, um, yeah. Two debuts there. Um, Stokely Hathaway just adding to the staple that is, the stable that is, um, Jay Cargill. But that, that, which is dope. But what's even doper is the fact that, um, Athena's getting another crack, and wh- whatever Stokely Hathaway is going to do is going to be magnificent. He's a the hell of a talker. I'm glad he's getting another opportunity. It's clear that they wanted to resign him in WWE. He didn't want to resign her. He, he saw that there was nothing there for him, which is look if you see it and you don't sign, I can't say anything about it. But Athena to get this chance, she was she was asking for it. You know, she was she's she's got it now. Um, so this is going to be. I think it should be a good six woman tag team match. But this match. I had no expectations for it, and it turned out to be a really good match, in my opinion. Next up, the long-awaited six-man tag, Death Triangle versus House of Black. This was fan-fucking-tastic. Pac is so fucking good. Like, his intensity is off the charts. I just love everything about Pac. Like, he can be a future AEW World Champion. I know right now he's stuck in this thing with Death Triangle, and they're all stuck, right? But he is so fucking good. Um, This match was, I'm, was, was fantastic. It was all over the place. At one point in time, I was like, oh, House of Black is going to lose. They, they didn't lose. It's clear House of Black is they're building House of Black to, to own those, to, to win, excuse me, the, the trio's championships for the first time. So I think they're going to be the ones to be the debut champions. Um, but this was fantastic. And then we finally get the, the, the end game of 
Pac is about to end Malachi Black. Lights go out. Lights come back on. Julia Hart missed Pac. Then he gets hit with the the kick. Um, so Julia Hart is officially a part of the stable now. She's she's embraced the darkness. Um, so finally we have an end to that. Fourth member of House of Black. Where they go now? I'm assuming the trios championships. But this this is gonna make Pac hate House of Black even more. So, <laughs> but this was a this was a great match. Well worth the wait. Next up, we have the Owen Hart finals for both men and women. So I had picked Super Ruby Soho, but when I knew I was wrong was when the way they did this. I didn't know that Martha Hart was going to be presenting them at the same time. So Joe, uh, Adam Cole and Joe had a really good match. I thought it was interesting that Joe did not bring the ROH television title to their to the ring. But it was a distraction from Bobby Fish. Cole gets the win, which felt kind of flat. But then you had um, Ruby Soho and Britt Baker come out that get the live music treatment and Britt Baker ends up winning um which felt kind of flat again um but something interesting happened here there was no interference nothing she beat her clean and Russo was just on the mat so Britt looks over at her and Britt's just looking at her and it's like what's gonna happen here so I'm expecting Jamie Hayer because Jamie Hayer and uh Rebel came out earlier just to say good luck to her and they left but I'm looking and I'm like what the fuck is going on all of a sudden, she extends her hand. Britt Baker extends her hand, helps her up. She makes a face afterwards, but you could tell she gained her respect. Ruby's, it was, like, she understood Ruby at that point. So that's, that's got my wheels turning. Like, are we seeing, like, Britt turn face? Like, because she's never done that with an opponent before, ever. So this story is clearly not over. Ruby's going to have to beat her at some point in time to get the, the ghost over over the ghost right but that part right there was very inter- interesting to me anyways martha hart ends up introducing the championships uh, and the cup to them uh you could tell they were very grateful and oh and she could tell she was very grateful to be there tony khan walked her out you could tell she was just happy to be there you could just tell i think when people report how much she hates wrestling i think that's highly exaggerated i think she loves wrestling I think she just hate what hated what how WWE handled uh, her husband's death. But she was dancing. She looked lovely. I didn't know she was a doctor. Um, uh, she hugged Adam Cole a couple times. Hugged Britt Baker. Those championships though that they made are fucking dope. They are dope. Like I'm not a replica guy of championships. I can care less if I ever have. But, like I legit. Excuse me. I legit bought my first Captain America shield only because I thought I, I looked at the way it looked. It was like the, it was like the Winter Soldier one where it's blue and white. I was like, man, that's just that's just dope. But it's my first like uh, replica I've ever bought, you know. But that, that but those champion I won't buy one. Those things are gonna be fucking overpriced. But that that shit was dope though. Um, but both the finals were kind of. Eh. I, I thought the Cole and Joe one was pretty fun, but the, the ending definitely felt flat. Men of the Year versus Kazarian and Sammy Guevara and Conte. This whole match was weird. I was glad it came to an end. Um, I was just like... Fucking weird. Um, Men of the Year won. At one point in time, Kazarian said fuck you to Sammy Guevara and Tay Conte. So it looked like he was like leaving the match, but he wasn't actually leaving the match. Uh, Tay Conte ended up getting super kicked. Which, if you see her... If you saw what she, the super kick she took from Penta in uh, Mexico, you know she could take a super kick like a champ. 
Um, Sammy Guevara accidentally super kicked her. Kazarian gets the pinfall, uh, or takes the pinfall. They can no longer challenge as long as Scorpio Sky is a TNT champion. Later on in the night, we end up seeing Dwayne Martin challenge um, Scorpio Sky. So we will see it in SoCal. But this was one of those matches I had no interest in seeing. Uh, Paige Van Zandt looked fine. But honestly, I could care less. So I'm just going to move on. Uh, Darby Allen versus Kyle O'Reilly. O'Reilly won. This was a fine match. This was for what it was. It was just weird that it was on the car. Maybe just to get Darby on the card. But then you have Kyle win. Maybe this is just to, to extend the feud between the Elite and Sting and Darby. That's the only thing I, that's the only thing I think of. But it's just a weird choice. And I don't really have much to say about it. Serena D versus Thunder Rosa for the AEW Women's Championships. These two got time. And here's, here's one thing I will say. Even though this pay-per-view felt every bit of four and a half hours. I will not complain about it because these two women did not get enough time. They got time tonight, and I think they had a great match. I love the match. Um, I will not complain about these two getting time or anyone getting their full time because it's one of those things where it's like, look here, they should. They only have four pay-per-views a year. So I'm okay with it as long as the right people get time and everyone got time. Even the put-together Colorado Derby match got time. So... Great match there. I love the Thunder Rosa retained. Anarchy in the arena. What what can I say about this that that Justin Roberts didn't say already? Justin Roberts is about to announce it. He stops. He's like, well, shit's about to hit the fan. <laughs> Great fucking line. And it hit the fan. Everything. First of all, they didn't stop playing John Moxley's theme music until like the first six, five, six minutes of the match we're in. Don't know if that was a production error, whatever. Um, I don't know what it was, but it was fucking weird. But these two, these two teams beat the hell out of each other. I don't know how they're gonna top this in blood and guts, because legitimately they gave everything. But the, the story is not over. It just, it just can't be over. First of all, uh, Santana did a diving blockbuster over the top rope on Jake Hager through two tables, which was fucking crazy. Almost everyone was busted open. 2.0, uh, Garcia, Moxley, uh, Brian Danielson, um, uh, Kingston. Everyone was... Moxley took the ring apart. Um, Kingston and Gar- or Garcia somehow were in an ele- elevator for reasons and time. We couldn't see them. We see Brian Danielson have the LaBelle lock locked in on Jericho. Jer- uh, Eddie Kingston comes out. This is when you knew that they were going to lose the match. He has he has gasoline. He hates Jericho so much that he has <laughs> take a gasoline and he just starts dumping it on Brian and Jericho as Jericho, his partner, has the match won. Jericho, uh, Brian then gets mad. They start pushing each other. Jericho gets to take advantage. Then you have Brian with one last hope spot. He's beating the hell out of each other. Then he says, "I'm gonna kick their bleeping heads off." He he's about to do it. They nail him with a uh, I think it was a baseball bat in the knee. They end up locking him into they have the the ring rope around his neck. Jericho has a leg lock on. Brian passes out. Aubrey calls for the bell. JAS win. This clearly is not over. But Brian Danielson and Ed Kingston have to be on the same page if they want to win this. But this was a necess- this was a necessary evil because JS is the new group. But this was all over the place. It was amazing. There's nothing else I can say about it. I loved it. But, um, 
I loved it. So I, I, I'll say that. That's all I'll say to that. The tag team championship match. Swerve Scott, Keith Lee. Or excuse me, Swerve. Yeah, Swerve Scott, right? Yeah. Swerve Scott, Keith Lee, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, Team Taz. Let's go. Um, so this was fun. And I love, I love, since Keith Lee has gotten with Swerve, I feel like I've seen more personality out of him. You know, I, last time I seen this kind of personality was like when he was on the indies. But like these two make a great tag team. Um, I was surprised that the champions retained here. Christian had a lot to do with this match. Like he, he helped these guys several times. One moment in here where I thought was just hilarious was Ricky Starks was walking the ring ropes, just showing off, whatever. He gets clipped, ends up crotching himself. JR says a line of the night, which makes him look like an idiot, <laughs> which is so great, right? So, um, the match these this match had was another match. It just reminded me of the uh, the six man tag earlier tonight between Death Triangle and um, House of Black. So many twists and turns. I thought at one point, I really did. I thought Swerve and Keith Lee had it. Um, I, I definitely thought Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy were gonna lose. Like it, every team had their hope spot, and in the end. Um, the team that was pinned with Keith Lee and uh, Swerve, Swerve got pinned. That takes them out of the running, but that keeps Team Taz as the number one contenders for tag team titles. They could still win those tag team championships. So I, I would not be surprised if that's what happened. I don't know. This, this is the greatest tag team division in the, the, the world right now. I don't know who's going to win these belts next, but I, just, I would have to say, think the reason why Swerve and Lee took the pin is to get them out of the picture and to get Team Taz to Say, hey, we never got pinned. So I'm interested in seeing that. Andrade cut a clearly taped promo because uh, he just got married. Congratulations to him and Charlotte Flair. And he brought in Roosh. Roosh made his AEW debut as he will be a part of whatever stable Andrade's in. And that's going to be interesting as they are real life friends, actually. So that's pretty cool. Um, Punk and Hangman, the main event. This was good. I, th- I felt both people wasted a lot of time. But in the end, you know what? This was WrestleMania 8. This was Piper, Bret Hart. Piper at WrestleMania 8 had the ring bell. And he had a chance, to, as the referee's out, to nail Bret with it. But as he's looking around, everyone's booing him. They turned on him. The crowd did. And so because of that, he threw the bell down. He's putting Bret in the sleeper. He gets Bret gets out of the sleeper by pinning him. And so this was the same thing that happened with Hangman. Hang, the referee is knocked down. Heyman has a chance to hit him with the belt, him with the belt. He thought about it too long. He threw the belt down, ends up being put in the GTS, and gets nailed. Hangman's title reign ends. Punk's first world championship in nine years. And this is the culmination of essentially a little under a year when he made his return. And he came back to wrestling. This is the culmination of it. I know if you ask Eric Bischoff or any of Eric Bischoff's fans, He has been underwhelming. I think a lot of people would agree with that. Uh, disagree with that, excuse me. Uh, but Punk winning the AEW World Championship was inevitable. Um, I hate that it came at an expensive Hangman's run. I feel like Hangman had so much more to give as a world champion. But you know what? This, this story has to continue. But I just think with Punk... I, I just think the timing with Forbidden Door being in Chicago... I think the main event has to be Okada versus Punk and it's just champion versus champion. Now, how you book that, I have no fucking idea. 
But we have to see some finishes in this. I don't care what anyone says. We can't go non-finish mania at Forbidden Door. You have to have some finishes. So we'll see. So hell of a run for Hangman Adam Page. Uh, way to start one for uh, CM Punk. He was crying. He was very emotional. Congratulations to him. Overall, this was a very strong show. Like I said, the matches I didn't care for, I really didn't talk to about them too much. But I think this was just a, a great pay-per-view. Usually, AEW shows are. Um, so, uh, that is your show for this week. Um, a lot more than I was expecting. But, you know, to me, still good stuff. So, um, anyways, um, that is your show. This Wednesday, we will talk about the Thor Love and Thunder trailer. And we will get dig a little deeper into my expectations of that movie. As we will move forward and above. Also, this Sunday will be the first Sunday of the month. You know what that means. The comic of the month, which we have a different kind of twist on it. I already recorded that as well. So I'm looking forward to having you guys listen to that as well. But anyways, that was your Monday show, ironically. Uh, not ironically, but like coincidentally recorded on a Monday. Usually it's not. Uh, it's just 2 in the morning. I said 1 in the morning. Jesus Christ, it was 2 in the morning. Um, but that's your show. I'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. I am the Soul Chemical. Please like, subscribe, and follow, and I am out.